This is Women Authors of Achievement podcast, episode 13, with guest Monica Tiang. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daria Suvorova, and welcome to today's episode. Monica is the head of content and community at the House of Beautiful Business, a global platform with the aim to make humans more human and businesses more beautiful. In this episode, we spoke about the future of networks and how to sustain emotional intelligence and with that compassion towards other people in today's world. You will learn how businesses can become creators of their own communities by fostering experiences around the company brand and the rising problem of echo chambers in niche communities. Reimagine the future in this episode with Monica Tiang and make sure to follow our Instagram page at waa.berlin. Monica, welcome to the studio. I have been following your work for quite some time and very excited to meet you now in person. Thank you so much. Time to time, I come across your flawlessly written posts on LinkedIn and other media channels. I adore your writing and communication style. It's elegant, calm, and yet has always catchy headlines to it. And how did you find your voice in content creation? Well, first of all, it's really nice nice being here. So thank you for, for inviting and thank you for your kind words. It's good to hear that. <laughs> uh, it's not always uh, always easy to find the right voice. The House of Beautiful Business has a very distinctive language and, and voice also because part of the work that we do is really to try to reframe the words that we use more intentionally and maybe also placing different vocabulary uh, in the business and work environment uh, so that we interact um, on a more humane uh, level. And me personally, it took me a while for sure to somehow find my place and, and my voice within the house, but it comes very naturally, I have to say, and intuitively. And uh, that's maybe, you know, how I would write on LinkedIn or, or other social media. And then uh, another colleague of mine uh, would probably do it differently, but still within the roof of the house, if that makes sense, and within the language that we use. And how do you regain the energy to create more fresh ideas and more content? I think the ideas are are endless. <laughs> I mean, the there's so much going on in this world uh, and just to be curious and awake, I guess, <laughs> to all of these things that are happening, listening to other people, listening to uh, other voices and trying to bring them in, trying to understand. Yeah, so this is really what I strive for in who I am and, and what I do. And how that is possible, I think, is to create brave spaces that are also safe. And by that, I mean, you know, held together by, by love, really, and by, by care, um, and by a notion of inviting people into this brave space where an honest, frank, real conversation can start and usually is the starting point, but also arguments or dissent can happen in a tender way, in a, in a way that is loving still, you know, and, and not yeah, disrespectful uh, or, or aggressive or contraproductive. I think creating these brave and safe spaces, whether that is then again a piece of writing that you put out there and wait for people to respond, or 
an an online session, right? We do these living room sessions every every month uh, that are online live experiences where we bring together different voices, give them a stage, uh, and then bring them together in a conversation or a performance, an experience, something that is more artistic and really grabs you, you know, in your inner being. Could be, you know, could be could be different forms then, but I think the the braveness and the safe of psychological safety as well is really important. Monica, you are head of content and community since we're speaking of House of Beautiful Business at House of Beautiful Business, a global platform and community to make humans more human and business more beautiful. How did you become an integral part of the house? I got to the house in 2017 uh, as part of a trip that I um, made with my former uh, colleague and Julia von Witterfeld from Soulworks, uh, which is a purpose-driven uh, consultancy in, in Hamburg. And she got me really interested in this whole topic of the future of work, rethinking organizations, um, and then further rethinking economies and, and larger systems. And uh, she spoke at the house uh, 2017 and hosted a few sessions and also friends with um, Tim and Till, the founders of the house. And I experienced uh, the house myself then, and it was the first annual gathering in Lisbon. And I just remember sitting in this room on a on this Sunday, which was you know packed with a lot of talks and ideas and amazing people. Uh, and I was just sitting there for I don't know like eight hours or something in awe and 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 so struck by all of it and i was just you know trying to take it all in and my mind was really blown and in my heart as well uh, of yeah being so inspired to to see um what is actually possible and you know there there were topics that as something around biotech or food and agriculture where i was like i, I don't even know what that is, uh, I don't know, you know, if that interests me. Maybe I'm going to skip that. But I, I just sat there because it was so good and so well curated and, and intentional and and exciting. So um, that was my first step into the house. And then a year later, I started working uh, freelance as for social media and some other content stuff. So I always, from that point, kept the house on my radar, but didn't intentionally. At least I don't remember. Uh, follow it uh, in a way, you know, that I thought, okay, this is, this is my place, or, you know, I, I really want to be there, I really want to work there. And then during the house 2018, so a year later, during that week uh, in Lisbon, again, during our annual uh, gathering, I made that pact with myself, basically, because I felt, I just had this moment where I was like, this is it, you know, this is really it, I, I want this. And these are the people that I want to surround myself with. Uh, this is exactly the environment that I need and and, and that I want uh, and that I also want to contribute to. So that's how it started. And, and now it's like two and a half, almost three years uh, in. And what is the history behind House of Beautiful Business? Um, the house started with the idea of beautiful business um, through Tim Leberecht's uh, book, which is called The Business Romantic. He wrote that book in 2015. And in that book, he basically calls uh, for a way to make business more beautiful as to pull from the arts and the humanities and bring that back to uh, business and technology. At that time, 
you know, starting with automation and, and robotics and all the technology and all of that, the the framing was, uh, you know, in an age of machines, we have to humanize business. Like we have to explore what is really human. And that is also what his book is about. And then he and his colleague Till Grush got together. Uh, they both worked together at, at Frog Design and both lived in San Francisco, moved back to uh, Germany and founded the Business Romantic Society, which is the um, company behind the House of Beautiful Business and really started then with a gathering. So the first 2017 small gathering, first one in, in Barcelona. So that was before the one that I went to. Uh, just to see, you know, does it resonate? Is there an interest for people to come together in this new form of a salon type of? And then the Lisbon gathering really kicked off everything for, for the house officially. Yeah, inviting 300 people from all different backgrounds. And now the house is is really a global community of of people who are who share this desire really to to make humans more human and, and business more beautiful. And I'm trying to understand why was there a need to create a community to make humans more human? What does that stands for? And business more beautiful. You mentioned a little bit mm. the tippy top of that, but I'm trying to understand what is the essence of it mm -hmm. and why is business is not beautiful mm -hmm. and why humans are not human, mm -hmm. <laughs> that there was an intention and need to create such community. Yeah, so to the business more beautiful aspect first, uh, maybe we we do see that businesses currently are so set on, you know, efficiency and extraction and exponentialism. Everything is about growing things and of about winning, right? To back to Anand's book and about sort of competition, which is not inherently, these are things that are inherently, you know, bad, but it's solely focused on that. It's solely focused on the output that you make and the bottom line. And that's what counts, what gets you the big money and what then sends you off to, to have a life that, you know, is questionable. If that is beautiful, then And what we try to bring in is, is much more the emotional aspect, the aesthetic uh, aspect and the ethical uh, as well to question how can business uh, have a role and a societal responsibility uh, towards larger systems and, you know, to, to all of our personal lives and, and the roles that we have. Is this by how they position themselves in being environmental friendly, sustainable Or is it more inwards towards their employees and how they treat yeah, them? Both, right? This is also why we love uh, the term beautiful, because it incorporates everything from, yes, sustainable and diverse and inclusive and impact-driven and long-lasting uh, rather than short-term, uh, you know, the short-term-ism uh, of, of everything. So that is is definitely the idea, right, to business, you know, usually should first look uh, look inside and sort of see how they are structured, how they treat uh, each other, uh, how leadership management works uh, and, and employee experiences, but also how that then translates to everything else that is around them, right? So this shift from shareholder to stakeholder management is, is sort of one of these buzzwords that have been around for quite a while where statements are being made. And there is certainly a, sh a shift that you can feel and that you can see now. There, there's lots more happening. Also, because the public has become more involved and people are like, okay, you know, if I want something to change, maybe then, you know, I, I need to voice something. I need to go 
I don't know, on the streets. I, I need to show representation for it. Otherwise, nothing will really change, or as a consumer um, as well. And I think humans more human, yeah, that is that is definitely the difficult part, right? What What does it really mean to be human? Like, how do we differentiate ourselves enough, should we, from machines right and from technology because if you look at a lot of corporations right now and and you look inside of those processes and and the structures it kind of resembles a, a huge machine and a huge factory uh, cities as well um if you really sort of zoom out you're like oh my god what are we doing like what are we doing this for right so um bringing ourselves back uh to Uh, things that and, and skills that really um, make us human, such as our intuition, um, you know, our emotional intelligence, if you will, our ability to wrestle, you know, with ideas uh, from a moral standpoint, to imagine things that are not there, uh, and to have compassion with people whom we don't know is a starting point. Mm -hmm. I 100% support that. <laughs> and the house, is it in the role of advocating for this and educating others on these topics? Or does it more consult people and businesses? Both. So first and foremost, as a community uh, and as a platform, we invite people to have these kinds of discussions and have these kinds of experiences so you can become a member of the community, a resident, uh, and then you're basically exposed to other people and connected to other people who come from various different backgrounds, right? From business, from politics, from media, from the creative industry, uh, from the arts and the humanities, who all kind of feel like, hmm, there must be something else, you know, there must be more. And like, we have to feel more. Because no, we don't want to, you know, end up as as machines and like look back at our lives and just say, yeah, what did I do? Like, what did I do also with all of this time and my potential? So we bring them together in conversations uh, and experiences. We're big fans of just bringing the arts in and 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 sort of performative, uh, experiential, immersive experiences that um, are not only touching you on the on the you know cognitive level but also on an emotional one. Yeah, so we create that brave new space uh, for for our community. For me, it's you know, interesting to understand how do you build strong and also loyal community today? For people who were with the house uh, throughout the last year, there's definitely a, a deeper bond and, and people connected with each other. So Just with the example of living room sessions, which we always hosted on Zoom meeting, for example, right? Never webinar. And people could always see each other. And they started like with very small things. They're like, oh, yeah, I see Daria again. Or like, you know, I, I recognize your, um, oh, there's a cat in your one. I don't know. It was just, it it was such a, this, this digital um, space that we live in kind of gives us a, a much more like intense way to be in the moment, like this presence that you can build when connected in, in a digital space is very different from from a real physical one. Um, not as to say one is more and one is less, it's just different. You would say that you feel more connected rather than distant to mm -hmm. your community. Yeah. Which is interesting because you don't have that physical interaction, but yet... But yet it's it's there, yeah, because you 
Yeah, somehow through this, I don't know how to describe it, but there's sort of this layer of unknown, which is everything outside of your Zoom window that I don't know, you know, what it is like and where you are, but I can see everything else in that window. So that makes it the world that you live in, right? If, you, if I look at you uh, on, on the Zoom thing. And so I can imagine what else is around there, but I don't necessarily need need to because I'm much more focused on your expressions and every move that you make or every little thing that tells me something about you. But then you don't see the body language. Then you don't see many other... That's true, not not all of it. But if you look closely or if you start reading the social cues of people on Zoom, you can actually tell, uh, I feel. Not all of it. And, and, and I think it's like I don't uh, compare it or I don't try to compare it to the physical one because it's just entirely different. But I find it fascinating to see how, how we interact and how we understand and empathize with each other when we only see ourselves in the digital space. So there's a lot that you can pull, but you, you really need to be conscious of that, I think. And as we speak about that physical communities, real-life communities, face-to-face, -face, meeting with people, digital, and today, in your opinion, are those communities becoming more global or more local? So ours, for example, really grew through the, uh, obviously through the digital residency that we now also have. And, and there's just the reach into so many different spaces, which is another huge advantage, of course. So I would definitely say they're growing globally, uh, as in reaching into, you know, the, the far, um, edges. And at the same time, coming to the physical point, right? There is definitely something around building local communities that are part of a larger thing um, and who can then also meet in, in person or can interact with each other. So last year at, at the Great Wave Festival that we did, um, which is our annual gathering last year, we had a virtual layer, right? So a lot of the programming was online, um, but also we had 36 cities all around the world where people actually met in person, right? And had a dinner with six other people because that was during that time, you know, outside that was what was possible or, you know, went to an installation somewhere with uh, 10 other people or did a distributed walk with like an audio um, story or like all of these different things that were just possible locally, of course. So I think that's really interesting. If you can bridge that, create connection and intimacy on a local level while being part of a larger global mission. That's probably the key for community. Yeah, I was also contemplating a lot about this because if we look at digital businesses and startups, they are completely adapted to this new work environment. They're hiring globally. It's not a problem anymore, completely globalized and decentralized. But when it comes to people, Like in Berlin, for instance, there's such a connection to local communities. You see people supporting small businesses. Mm -hmm. You see people buying from local producers, from soap companies to food supplies. And there's a beauty in that. It's somehow everyone is here in the city. Mm -hmm. They're not traveling anywhere. They're so rooted and so thoughtful of other businesses and initiatives. And I have not seen that before. It's so true what you say. Um, it's so true with this sort of supporting. And I, I thought about it because it's, it's similar to, to neighborhoods and how cities work, 
really these communities and, and spaces. And I would love, and I mean, I think there's, there's other places where that is the case as well, where people, yeah, really make, make the most of where they are and what they can offer. And just again, be more aware of their surroundings, right? And, um, sometimes it's such a small step and it's such a small, leap that you have to make uh, to actually make business more beautiful um, by making the decisions uh, more intentionally. And how would you see the natural evolution of communities and networks today in the coming years? I mean, yeah, they're, they're growing and they're emerging everywhere, really, right? They're so, and that's, again, that's the beauty of the internet <laughs> that sometimes I need to remind myself that, I mean, I love the internet. It's, it's beautiful, but it's also, you know, such a messed up place. Um, but it's also the beauty of the internet, uh, to enable these global, uh, networks and, and communities and also create really weird niche communities right for for one very 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 specific thing that you think like okay no one would be interested in this uh right but there are people actually that are so interested in this <laughs> and they, they there is an audience so in that regard uh i think building communities will be essential for for everyone you know who wants to create a positive impact um And of course, also for those who have a, yeah, and not so positive uh, agenda that has to be said as well, right? They're, they're so successful at that as well. As I mean, as well. And, and that's what, what you're saying. Like, does it mean that we're going to have more of those echo chambers, very like-minded people mm -hmm. being in their really close circle of people? Is this is something we're running into? And I, I personally believe it's a problem because I believe in the exchange of um, different opinions Absolutely. and mixed groups of thoughts and ideas as this helps everyone to grow. But what you're saying means that they become more niche. And that's also a problem. I think there already are um, and all of these niche communities and echo chambers uh, or the, the fear of becoming an echo chamber is, is very present and real. And I think the possibility there is to create more communities of communities somehow, because, you know, everyone who, who, who says that they're building a community is sort of, yeah, this, you know, this is that, this is my community and, and there are these kinds of people and that's what interests them. And that's fair and that's fine. And, you know, this is also kind of how business works, right? You have sort of your, um, USP and, and then that's it. But I think we have to move beyond that, uh, beyond this sort of very, a limited way of trying to serve a group of people whom you think you can serve best because of what you thought, you know, you would offer them uh, and rather see that, no, actually these people have a reason to be part of my community, but they also, you know, have a reason to be in that other community or in that other niche interest because we all have so many different aspects of, of our, our, our lives and of ourselves inside of us. Uh, that we want to explore. So with the house, I might, you know, be interested in, you know, making, getting my, myself engaged in, in these sort of business uh, topics and, and larger economical questions and societal questions. In another way, you know, I might step into a, a more creative, um, artistic uh, theater uh, community, you know, that, that is just about sort of putting on a play every, every month. And I might be part of that too. Yeah, and absolutely. Like I think wearing many hats, yeah. it's like the essence of life. It makes absolutely. it so much more fun. Yeah. Or And, but also what, what other trends do you see happening in the future? Or maybe some new platforms that you see that communities will 
benefit from? I think also that that businesses increasingly will see themselves as creators of communities. Some of them already say that they are and all of that. It's it's kind of a right. So, so this, like within a company? Larger even, uh, that they see themselves as curators, basically, you know, that leaders uh, understand themselves more as experienced creators and not as here's your task list. Okay, bye. But <laughs> more like what are the spaces uh, that we want to create uh, to foster, right? As as an experience, how can we how can we understand ourselves more as um, shapers of of these realities and bring people together in a different way? So not to look at employees as employees and not to look at customers as customers only, but more Cre creating experiences together and merging like different possibilities of that interaction. But that means that there is also interference of work and life because suddenly mm -hmm. it's not only work that you do nine to five and then you have life but suddenly it becomes something more is this good or is this bad i think if you i mean if you ask me i, I think that has already happened i personally don't believe um in in this idea of I also don't, don't like the term uh, work-life balance because it suggests that it's two opposing things. And I don't think it's that easy anymore. And we have all seen, I think, that in, in this past year that, yes, when work creeps up your home, right, and, and there is no place anymore to go, there is a dissolvement of offices and that will stay that way, uh, I think, because what is the point of, a, of an office building if you can have something like here where we're just sitting right now in this sort of a co-working a shared space for creators, for businesses uh, of different companies. You don't need that anymore. So I believe we are right there already in this sort of work-life blend thing. And is it a good thing or, or not? I think it's something that you have to decide for yourself in the sense of, of having the boundaries that you need and not the boundaries that we understand as in nine to five or this is me as a personal person, like as a private Monica, and this is me as head of content community because it's much more fluid already and it it is more intertwined, I guess, uh, the roles that we take. But at the same time, creating your yourself those those moments um, where you can, you know, not think about work at all or uh, not think about your theater group <laughs> at all because you're in a different, you know, you're a different headspace. So... I think that has already happened uh, and will so increasingly. Uh, so it has opportunity for me to meet someone at, for example, you know, at work and in, in, in business who might inspire me to take on a new interest in gardening, bringing up a new example, um, for example, right, or, or building things and vice versa. And then if we look again into the coming years with the physical presence, you know, that human factor, do you mm -hmm. think it's the essential still thing in creating the networks and communities and building real relations with people? Or you think, which is going to be very then controversial, that staying in the digital realm is good enough with mm. the tools that we have today? There's, for example, one uh, Berlin-based creative studio called Waltzbener. We've been working with them last year, but they're doing like amazing things around Getting this 3D environment where you can go in as an avatar. It's, it's kind of this gamified world, but it's beautifully, uh, designed as an, you know, photorealistic environment. And you're like in there and can interact with other people 
in in that world uh, and and create connection. So there and and I mean there there's so many others uh, that are working on whatever the technology is. Despite all of that, and even if we have holograms, right? And if we, even we can if we can beam ourselves finally, I'm waiting for that um, to another <laughs> place. I don't think that the physical in real life face to face can be removed entirely from this equation. Um, I don't think so. How that will happen and in, in what way, in what frequency on a local level and with technology, you know, as well as a, as an option to increase the intensity of those experiences is another question. Um, and, and we'll be, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, how that turns out. But yeah, so I, I do think it's a, it's an, it's a crucial way for, for people and it will always be, um, for people to come together. I think we just have to reimagine how that will be. Monica, I think this was a really insightful conversation and I feel like we could go for a walk and have a coffee and continue <laughs> contemplating about communities, networks and future of work because this topic is very dear to my heart and I'm very curious to see how things will evolve. So thank you so much for bringing your expert opinion, your thoughts on it. And as a last question that I love to address and uh, always curious to hear what will be the answers mm. to it. Who do you define as your role woman and a woman who is an author of her own achievements? Only one. <laughs> <laughs> so two different ones, because one is definitely um, my colleague, uh, Megan Husted. I think she's, she embodies that woman, woman of achievement. She's an editor and a writer uh, from New York and has worked with a lot of yeah, writers on, on their book and, and brings those really to life. And to me, she is that, simply put. Another one is uh, Mina Salami, whom I'm kind of obsessed with because um, <laughs> I love her so much. She is the author uh, of the book Sensuous Knowledge, A Black Feminist Approach for Everyone, uh, which is a book uh, that I've been promoted again. Everyone should read it because it's really about a whole new way of, of perceiving the world and She basically looks into her own heritage and her own indigenous uh, roots and rituals and sort of historic examples um, of where she, as a Nigerian, Finnish, and Swedish um, woman, comes from and how we can draw from different kinds of stories to, yeah, reimagine identity, but also our role in, in society and, and what sort of she puts as this euro patriarchal systemic uh, view that most of us as in people who you know grew up in europe uh, and also in the us have been opposed to and, and and sort of what an alternative approach to knowledge and to this worldview could be through sensuousness so she also proposes this idea of an erotic uh, economy so i can only uh, <laughs> yeah say so she's she's definitely a woman of achievement and and should be everywhere i think to to promote her her view thank you so much for bringing up the two names uh, monica and thank you so much for coming to the studio for stopping by and thank joining you. me for a conversation and i wish you a wonderful day thank you so much 
Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening, and we're looking forward to being back soon. <laughs>